Well, we're in the final week of a five-week series we've titled Gifted, Igniting the Abilities God Gives Us Together, and have had a wonderful journey through all of this. If you haven't been with us, I want to encourage you to go back and see each of the messages that you'd get the full build of this. It's, we've looked at one kind of section of a letter that Paul writes to a church in Corinth specifically about gifts. And, and even if you aren't around the church and you don't understand the idea of spiritual gifts, which are simply different than abilities in that the Spirit gives them to us as we follow Jesus, it's a unique grace given, but it relates even to how we would have talents and abilities in the natural. And I want you just to consider this in the world we're living in right now, particularly this is true of athletics, but we live in a world of free agency, don't we? We have free agents everywhere. It started with sports, but it's become kind of true of many, if not most, or all of us. And if you wonder what a free agent specifically is, I mean, here's two simple definitions of that. The first is a person who is self-determining and is not responsible for his or her actions to any authority. In other words, you're free of what all those around you say. You're kind of independent. Now, don't miss, this normally has come out of the fact that over time, and particularly in sports, it began that athletes began to question the owners and their motives and question whether they were really for them, and they began to advocate for themselves, which has now taken a larger role on. And what we would say is it's rooted in the fact that there is a lack of trust of leaders. So free agency is born, and it's not simply there, it's also a self-focus. The professional athlete who's not under a contract and is free to auction off his or her services and sign a contract with a team that offers the most money. In other words, free agency is a place where there's often mistrust of leaders and a place where there's self-protection and self-advancement. That's the focus of being a free agent. We'd say that's true. Now, you might say that's true of athletics, but let's be honest. Hasn't that been true in the marketplace more and more now? Isn't that true in all sorts of arenas that we tend now to be less committed to a community of people and much more mistrusting of that and much more concerned about how do I advance who I am and what's best for me. Even in the church, we can do this. Let me take it that way as we begin with the idea of there is free agency Christianity. And you may think this is odd and unusual, but I'm proposing to you today that all of us can fall into this way of thinking. And I want us just to begin to consider this today. It might even be something God wants to stir and transform in us. But if you think of it this way, we tend to see it like this. Hey, I'm a person who's personally following Jesus. I'm really not responsible to any church authority. And so in in essence, what it is, is I'm not looking to the leaders. I'm not looking to the church to guide or direct me. My faith is self-styled. It's personal. And I will make decisions on what I want and don't want and how I do and don't do. Now, does that at all sound like how we are today? Could, could we agree that we can all move in this direction? We live in a very independent culture, and kind of we live in our own way. And so this can be a value we have out of mistrust. And mistrust has grown for lots of reasons. It grows out of different churches we see, out of stories we hear of leaders that go south. It can be in our own environment, whether it's a lack of follow-through or not being cared for or thinking you're forgotten. We start to move away from this trust. But let me take it the second level. A free agency Christian is one who is not under contract and free to auction off his or her gifts and skills that offers the best benefit to them without having to cost them more than they wish to expend. 
In other words, we will serve and give and do as long as it doesn't cost too much. I mean, let's be reasonable. Now, I want to begin here, and, and I'm not saying this like to all of you, like you, you're so selfish and indulgent. I'm saying it to all of us. Don't we all live in a world that's like this today? Don't we? Haven't we many times made decisions about changing relationships or not responding to, and we're not even seeking the counsel of the church to trust how we help or even how we serve or how we guide. And then when it comes to the very dispensing of our gifts and what we do to serve and help, you and I all know, man, as long as, as long as it's not costing me too much, taking me out of my game, or as long as it's used in a way that benefits. I mean, some of us go, listen, I got some pretty great gifts. If they're not being used well, why would I serve here? I'm gonna go find a place I serve well, and they make use. And we couch it under stewarding. You're excited so far, right? This is really thrilling. Thanks for being such an optimist, Pete. I really enjoy you. Nothing like being Debbie Downer. That's what it feels like. But I want to be honest as we face into this final week. And I say this with personal conviction, not with finger pointing. Let's be true about the people we are and the community we live in and the culture we're in. That's exactly what Paul had to deal when he writes this letter to the church in Corinth. He's dealing with this group of people who've gotten really enamored with certain gifts and not others. And if you have certain gifts, you're elevated. If you have others, you're, you're laid low. And by the way, the gifts I have are to make me better and show that I am better. Like Jen said last week, you're either a winner Christian or a loser Christian. It's like it literally became the gradation of how people saw each other. So he's responding to that. And we're going to keep that in mind as we look at this final section. But we're also going to ask what might someone like Paul write to us today? And what I'm proposing underneath this is I think he'd write to a culture that are free agency Christians. I think he'd look at us and go, listen, you do not want to be engaged under authority or life to submit to that. And let's be honest, we also want to do it as long as it doesn't cost us too much. I want you to consider that as we go through this final passage. So Paul begins this section. He says it again, and he said this over and over and over again, in case you haven't been with us. Hey, you're the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. In other words, he is reminding them over, and he said this word, the body of Christ. You are, you are literally his embodiment. And by the way, that's one of the pictures we have. Whenever someone says to me, where is Jesus? We should be able to say he's right here. See, Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us these gifts so we help other people, and they literally experience his hands, his feet, his heart, his power, his natural, compassionate love through you and me. And Paul's saying, don't miss this. Jesus didn't just go to be with the Father. He gave us the Spirit so his presence could be everywhere through us. That is amazing, isn't it? But let's be honest. When we hear a metaphor like the body, that's hard for us in our Free agency Christianity, the idea of a body plays pretty tough. But I want to give you a picture too, just to remind you of what it's like when a body is unhealthy. You know, when the body's healthy, the cells all do each of their functions at a micro level. And so when there's problems, there's an immune problem, the body responds and attacks it. When there's needs, the body responds and each part does its part and it all works in tandem. I want you to consider that against cancer just for a minute. 
Cancer cells are very unique in that they grow and expand and they feed off other cells and they give other cells misinformation. Sometimes they hide from other cells so it's not known they're even there for the body to go against. Sometimes they even tell the immune system, no, we're the good guys. And the immune system can even come around and protect the very thing that's killing us. When at its essence, what a cancer cell is, is a cell that forgets its role in the body and does what it does for itself to grow itself. Does it at all sound like it might be free agency? Could it be free agency Christianity is almost parallel to a cancer in the life of the church? Now I told you, I don't wanna be all down on this, I just don't want us to miss the conviction of it. And maybe for you it's just asking the Holy Spirit, is this true of me? Have I bought into some of this? Boy, if it's not, I will cheer you on and celebrate that you are driving us in the right direction. But if it is, if you struggle with trust and you struggle with serving whatever the cost, those things are gonna inform and affect us. Now I would be remiss not to give us a picture of what it can be. So I wanna just, I'm gonna show you this in just a minute, but I wanna go to our Amish brothers and sisters who have some very simplistic ways of living life. And in this particular scenario, there is a barn that has to be moved across a field Now imagine the barn's there and you have to move it. And we know what that takes to move a house, right? It's unbelievable, you can't do it. So this whole community comes together, 200 of them, and watch what they do in five minutes with a barn. Take a look at this. So here you see it, they're just picking it up. And they are basically gonna move it all the way across the property, something you would think, I need to take this apart. No one could do on their own, right? We can do this with 20 people, and there they go. Come on, is that not amazing? Is that not crazy? That in five minutes they did the work that none of them could do on their own, that none of them could do if it weren't for all of them. And then they're moving the thing. I think they're just showing off at the end. Hey, let's spin it for fun. I'm not even sure why they spun it. Didn't they think about that at the beginning? But there they all go. And you even wonder who directed that deal. Okay, take it to the right. Here we go to the left. One, two, let's go. It's crazy to watch, isn't it? But you realize that that's what the church is? A group of people that could never do what we're called to do on our own. But together, unstoppable. I mean, if a a group of 200 people can move a barn across the whole area in five minutes, what do you think naturally and supernaturally we can do when you and I go, oh my goodness, God's made us to be one together. The things we can never, ever do alone. What if you and I got a vision for that? What if you and I stopped saying it's about free agency Christianity? It's not about I got to deal with whatever it is that's keeping me from actually submitting and, and trusting. And what is it in me that says as long as it doesn't cost too much, that keeps me from being a part of the body God's called me to be? Sometimes I wish you could picture the person you struggle the most with in our community, not because I want to know. But do you realize God intends for you to look at them and go, wow, that is an image bearer of Jesus. And Jesus actually made them the way they did, they're made out of love for them. And we lose their dignity and we lose their humanity and we lose the fact that they're made in the image of God, broken or unbroken. And we begin to look with gradations how we see each other. And Paul just says it really simply. Hey, you're one. You're the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We've been saying this over and over and over and over again over five weeks. And we need to keep saying it. It's not not been there, done that. 
because we're combating a culture that says, I'm my own and you're your own, and we pick and choose what we do and how we do it, and I'm kind of the master of my own viewpoints and destiny and how I live life. And we miss the fact that we need each other. And Paul is reminding again and again and again. Now, he's going to address what I believe are these two issues, this issue of trust and this issue of who it's for in the rest of this passage, and I want you to see it. Related to the issue of trust, he then says this, God has placed the church, first of all, apostles, it's in the church, then he's placed prophets, then teachers, third, and then he says miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and all these different kinds of tongues. Now, I'd like to get into the specificity of these, but it matters more to take a bigger look for us today. And what I want you to understand is these are not even exactly the gifts he's listed before, which again reminds us, Paul is not dogmatic about what they are. He's just loving the fact that God gifts us. What I want you to pay attention to is the first three. He says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then he gets into more of a listing. Now, he does this in other letters, and in the letter to the Ephesians, a much more kind of broadly distributed letter, he's saying to them, he gives five offices, but what he's speaking of is God has this way he's brought servants to lead and bring authority and structure to the church. In other words, we're not just left on our own as individual free agents. God designed the church in a way that our leaders are made to help us be mobilized. Now you realize if you don't trust that, you'll never go there, right? Oh no, the leaders are just about doing what moves the church forward. Like like you could suppose this, I'm only even promoting serving so that you'll fill the slots we need to accomplish the things we do week to week. And that would bring mistrust for you. Why would you ever step forward if you thought that way? Now, I'm not here to make a case for you better trust me. What I do want to say is, listen, I have loved you for 22 years already. If I don't love you, I'm here a long time. Somebody needs to tell me what's the matter with you. Like, I do want to have some trust to go, listen, I love you and and I want you to trust me that my job is to serve you. It's not to have things move for the way I want to. When we hire staff and work to build them up, We are trying to build a culture that is here to serve and help you be mobilized in the mission God has for you. And when that doesn't work, they move on. Because we care deeply for all of you and how God has mobilized you. And all I can say is whether you trust or don't, somewhere you have to decide you're going to give it a shot. Because what we trust is the work of God in us, not us individually. And I want to just give you a window into this that... Uh, Let me tell you this, September 13th, we're going to have a core night. It'll be here in Spring Lake, but we want all campuses here. So say September 13th, Monday night. Oh man, I'm going to be here. I loved it. And I at least got one excited comment. Oh yeah, man, I'm going to be here. I always love when you mumble. The reason I'm telling you this is we're, we're doing these at different times of the year. We've done them in the past, but This particular evening, we're going to lay out for you a five-year strategic plan, which for some of you that are business and leadership-minded, you want to know what's the strategy and where we're going. How are we actually going to be radically loving and growing together in Christ? For those of you who just want to be inspired and know this is who we are, we've spent a lot of time working on this, praying about it, working with the board on it, working with the staff on it, that we think we're going to lay out for you some really great things. And all I want to do is give you one little window into one aspect of it today which one of these, we have four major areas, four major rocks we're trying to move. And one of them we've called very simply this as leaders. Our job is to be hero makers. What that simply means is we are Alfred and Alfreda to your Batman and Batwoman. 
It means our job is to help you grow and flourish, that you can do it and we can help, not we can do it and you can help. So whether you think we do it well or not, I want you to trust our heart, our intention is to help you become the people God's made you to be to flourish. The same way Paul said this, listen, I've loved you and known you. Do you trust me? And so I want to say whatever your mistrusts are, would you venture out trusting the work of God in us and our aspiration is to be hero makers of you? Come on, don't you want to wear a cape? It's just a good day, isn't it? I don't want to miss for you. This is our intention and this is where we're going. And I don't want to miss for you if you mistrust. Now, maybe it's we failed you in the past. You know what? I signed up for something and you didn't follow up. I'm saying do it again anyway. Because you know what? Then let us know if we don't and we will be on it. We are working hard. Maybe it's because you've been at another church and they've taken advantage of you. We, we're not that church. That is a group of people. And we, our desire is to help you flourish. Paul's saying, do you trust the very way God designed this and what he's doing. And then he gets after who it's for. As he finishes this, he's reminding them, hey, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? He's just reminding them, listen, nobody brings this alone. We all need each other. You want to know why we want you to trust us? Because what we are responsible for at the end of the day is taking the people of God and coalescing you together to do a work of God no one could do alone. Here's our job description. We help discover who you are. We dream, develop, and deploy you. And along the way, <laughs> we're saying, God, would your spirit move? Because guess what? Even, even dreaming, developing, deploying, you can't do it in the natural. Now, in case you don't know, that is a daunting call. And man, I'm giving my life to it for you. And we have a bunch of other leaders that are as well. We want you to flourish. We want you to change the world. But we want you to have the right heart in it. And that's where Paul finishes. After all of this, he says this closing statement. Hey, I want you to eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now what follows, and you would know this even if you haven't been around church, if you've been at enough weddings, what follows is a passage we call the love passage, where he says love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't, all these wonderful things about it. He writes it as an indictment because they've forgotten how to love each other, and they've forgotten that was the goal of what being a follower of Jesus is, is growing. The mark of maturity is love, in case you don't know it. And so this whole chapter is about how they love and look after each other. He's saying you can do all these things and have great gifts, but you don't love, you don't have anything. And then we get to chapter 14. I just want to show you a few excerpts to see how he continues to say it. And he's specific about their circumstance. Hey, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, I don't think he's saying this because it's only unique to prophecy and we all should, although I think revelation matters. In their context, they got really excited about gifts of tongues, these unique ways they were speaking, and then prophecy interpreted it, but they thought tongues were better. And what he basically says is, listen, tongues edify you, but no, but doesn't help anybody else. And now he explains why prophecy is so to be desired. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for their comfort. And a few verses later, he just says this, it's to edify the church. In other words, the greatest gifts serve and help others. Isn't that crazy? The way you best follow and grow in your faith is discovering this giftedness, submitting it to the leaders over you, and guess what? 
actually serving other people, helping others. Tell me that doesn't mess with free agency Christianity. Because what we say is as long as it benefits me enough, then I'll move forward. I, I want to give you just an extreme case of this that I find fascinating. Mother Teresa had a vision uh, to go to Calcutta many years before she ever got to go. And she went through a really difficult thing because her priest and her bishop kept saying, no, we're not going to let you do this. And the crazy part was she still submitted and she prayed for years and just didn't relent. And they finally let her go. They finally said, we're, I don't know if they just went, I'm tired of hearing this. I don't know if God finally spoke to him. But in her submission, she waited until she had under authority was allowed to go. Do you know how much her ministry has changed the world? Have you ever considered that maybe it's both inner trust and her surrender that caused that? It's not just what she did? We don't take pictures like that. We just go, listen, if I'm not gonna get to do what I wanna do, I'm gone. And, and I'm not asking you to do something that extreme. I just want you to see the picture of the posture. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? An amazing picture of saying, listen, I'm submitted. Whether I get to or not, I'm submitted. When I, uh, when I worked in my first vocational job in a church, I oversaw all these creatives. And, uh, and, and I am a creative too. And in case you don't know, we creatives are very temperamental and we like to be the center of attention. I was, I was doing a wedding this weekend and the mother of the bride said to me, you know, I hate being in front of people. And I said, oh yeah, me too. That's why I picked being a pastor. Because <laughs> sadly, I like to be in front of people, which is a problem. I'm not telling that's a good thing. But as creatives, we tend to really mix between serving and selfishness. And I watched it even as I led. My job was to help find out who was best to do different areas. And I'd have people, I, I literally felt like I lived on American Idol. I'd have people tell me they were great and they'd sing. It's like, oh no, you're tone deaf. And you're mad if I don't give you a solo. Can you imagine the pain of having to tell someone, yeah, I'm sorry, it's just not as strong as you think it is. And then other people who had their own agendas, let's do it this way and I want to do it for me. And your whole job was, how do I serve these people but also help them weed out their own selfishness along the way? That's a hard challenge, isn't it? And what I remember, it was one of my first leaders said this to me, and for some reason, I, to this day, it always stays with me. They would rally us together and say, listen, here's our posture. We take our gifts and everything else God's given us, and we just lay them at the feet of the cross, and we say, God, if you want to use me, do. If you don't, don't. I'm here. I'm here whether I get to or not. I'm trusting you. And even the way you've organized and orchestrated churches and leadership, I'm trusting that and I'm surrendering it to you. Whew. That stayed with me my whole life. And if I give you nothing else, then you can understand. Could you take your gifts and could you go, God, I, I'm a lamb at your feet at the cross. I don't even know what it means. I don't know what it means to trust those that are the ones that help me find my way. I don't know what it means to actually decide how my gifts are used or not, but I'm gonna lay them down to you and I actually trust you. And by the way, I want them to help other people not to applaud and raise me up. Man, I wanna be part of a church that does that. I wanna do that. With my own gifts, I wanna do that and go, listen, if it, somebody else does this better, I wanna sit down, I wanna lay them down. I want to do whatever best serves the kingdom. I want us not to be free agents. I want us to ask and said, how would you have me serve?
hey, Lord, how would you have me serve? I'm surrendered. How would you have me do this? How would you have me actually live a life of service? How would you help me so I trust the people around me to help me grow in this? Because by the way, you want to know how you discover your gifts. It's not just sitting in a room. It's as you serve. We do things like inventories and assessments to help you get an idea. But where you find out is as you step out. It is no coincidence that when we have images of faith in history, that's people stepping out and finding along the way, not figuring it out and then stepping. So I'm just going, would today, would you move beyond, hey, I don't know if I trust enough to do this or I don't know what might cost me and go, no, no. Would you just lay your feet, your feet, would you lay your gifts at the feet of the cross? Don't lay your feet down, that's just gross. Would you lay your gifts at the foot of the cross and just go, God, whatever you wanna do, I give it to you. Would you pray for us who lead you and go, God, equip them to actually become Alfreds and Alfredas. <laughs> Help them to be like the apostles and the early leaders that looked and said, oh God, let me dream for the people around me. That the things we already do, they would be equipped for and the things we haven't even dreamed of, you would begin to give them that we'd know how to facilitate and move in that direction. And we're finishing this five weeks. And I'm going to ask you, actually, everyone in every campus and online to respond. And I know it's scary. So we'll see how courageous you all are. But this is what I want you to do. And you'll have to, in our campuses, pull out your phones and literally go to our connection card, which you can get at right on allshores.org, and you'll find the card on that page and just click it. And I'm going to explain what I want you to do. If you're already serving... All I want you to do is click where it says other or comment on that connection card after you've filled out your name and everything and just say, I serve and where you serve. And what we are is we're going to be praying for you and we're going to be reminded and encouraged that you're saying, I'm in. Not just I serve, but I'm in. This is my church. I trust you and I'm laying my gifts at the feet of the cross. And then if you don't serve, what I want to encourage is you to click the button that says, I want to get connected are involved and we will generate back to you the means with which then we'll know how to help you begin to take a step towards serving. And here's the deal, it's our job to follow up with you. Hey, if we miss it, you are welcome to tell us, you should tell us, but we are mobilized and ready to help you. Now, I'm not gonna kid, we have needs, we have great needs, but I also want you to understand what happens when you serve. I don't want you to miss this. I was just reflecting on it in this last week, and we lost two of our dear saints, uh, both to long-term cancer and to a, a dementia-type-related death uh, with Mary and Don, both passed away this week. And when they both passed, or this last week, I began to hear the stories of people who went to see Mary regularly and just be with her. And what's crazy is while they ministered to her, they would tell you how she ministered to them, how their faith grew by being with them. I think of a couple... Uh, Bill and Sherry Thalen, who sat with Don, who helped Don get into assisted living and then into the care he needed and regularly sat with him all the way into eternity, day after day, week after week, month after month. Do you think they changed the trajectory of life? You bet they did. I did a wedding this weekend, and it was a young woman who'd grown up here. They've since moved uh, to Holland, uh, though she and her husband actually still engage with us. But uh, as I was getting ready for the wedding, uh, another couple came in that used to go here and has moved away. I said, oh, you're here. How do you know the family? And immediately the young woman said, you know what? I was her group leader and students her whole time. They're still connected. Do you think that woman changed a life by saying, here's my gifts. God, I'll do whatever you call me to. I'm going to serve this way. 
I think of story after story after story in every ministry, in our kids, in our students, in our group life, how life change happens. I think of things like welcoming. We hosted an event here, the Global Leadership Summit, and we had two people, uh, Rachel McMaster and Kelly Reynolds, that really drove our teams for hospitality. They did so much to build a welcoming culture and even brought in a whole group of people that wouldn't be able to come, that by serving they got to come, that were some of the most transformed. But the part that really took me was how many people stopped us and said, we've not been welcomed like this at events. I go, man, if that happens in an event, how much more do we want that to happen on a Sunday? Don't you think we need you? Do you have any idea how being hospitable changes the world around us? Those of you who love technology and go, how in the world would I serve in the church? Do you know how many technical things we have going on? I'm sorry, we need you. And we could go on and on and on about the ways we need you and that God has made you for something. Step into it. In a world of free agency, can you ask, how can I serve? Could you and I just set our gifts at the feet of the cross and go, Lord, whatever you want to do. And then I would be remiss not to mention to any who are pursuing Jesus, who are wondering, should I follow him? Here's the joy of it. We're inviting you to follow him because we actually believe he lived, died, and rose again. He really did what he said he did. And we have all are experiencing that, this forgiveness, but also this new life in the spirit. We say he's got more, not just forgiveness, but more for you. And the joy is you're not just called to be alone. You're part of a new family. My parents are both only children. I have no extended family. Being a church pastor, man, I've got a huge family now. I love it. You're being invited into a family, not just to salvation alone, but with us. Would you respond today? And if you respond today, would you even just put that on the card? Because we want to follow up and check on you and walk with you. I just want to pray for us wherever you are in this today. I don't want it to be, it was a nice idea. I'm heading back to my free agency Christianity. I want it to be a step in and you know you're needed. If you believe a lie that we think we don't need you, you're dead wrong. We, you just haven't asked and we've somehow missed it. We need every one of you. God made every one of you. I love Jen's thing last week, you're not an appendix. <laughs> and you are vital to the life of the church. Let's pray. Lord, I ask, even as what I've said, if it's not of you, I do pray it'll fall to the ground, but I pray what's from you that people will respond. I pray for those that are searching to find you that they would answer it today. They would just simply pray, Lord, I I need your forgiveness. I believe you lived, died, and rose again, and I want to be a follower of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you fill them fresh even in that moment, in that response. Lord, I pray for those who have not been engaged, but they live in, in kind of a free agency that they'd step out and go, okay, I'm filling this out. I'm taking the risk. I'm going to lay my gifts at the cross, at the foot of the cross, and say whatever you want, however you want. And God, for all of us where we have barriers from trusting to really barriers that serve others instead of us, would you help those break down and let us be your followers? God, would you move among us and change us that we would be part of changing the world around us? Would you begin to give us visions for what we might move, not a barn, but lives and brokenness and messes to see them transformed and walked across to new life and new ways? God, that we'd be part of changing misunderstandings and messes in communities, not just individually, but we'd get to be part of seeing things change we could never do alone. Would you give us dreams and visions? And Lord, would you help us as leaders to know how to empower them? I pray this in your mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.